This is the Dice Tower Network, adding games to your wish list since 2005. The home of smart people, insightful board gaming commentary, and Luke Hector. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Broken Meeple, Season 2, Episode 22, Christmas! Sadly, I don't have much in the way of Christmas cheer for you guys, but I certainly have a lot to cram into this episode. A brand new segment, my thoughts on 2017, games I've played, and what I'm hoping for from 2018. So sit back and enjoy the last podcast episode of 2017. Hello, welcome, and thanks for listening to the last episode of 2017. Yes, this will be the last podcast I do until January. Sorry that it has gone to a kind of monthly ratio for these. I am trying to get them done more quicker. It's just work, YouTube, blog, you name it, there's something taking up the time. But I'm always at least trying to keep it to a monthly roster, but I will do my best to try and make them maybe a little shorter, but a bit more frequent, you know, keep up the content a little bit more regular, maybe that would be preferable to you. Uh, Certainly I'd like some feedback on that matter actually, I mean, do you prefer one a month, but a long one? Do you prefer, you know, maybe two a month, but shorter? And are there any particular segments or, you know, you know, excerpts or things to talk about that you would like to hear more often, by all means, send me some details, Facebook, Twitter, email, you know the drill, just get in touch with me, I'd like to hear more. So, yes, I'm not the biggest, uh, well, I suppose you could call me bar humbug, really, Christmas is not my favourite time of the year, okay, yes, it's nice to have a break off work, and certainly I do like to go home, visit the immediate family, and have the biggest roast meal ever in the entire year, but it doesn't feel much different from simply going home and visiting the family anyway. I have a pretty small family now, and half the family doesn't get on with the other half, so, you know, there's only really a few tightly close-knit people in my family I get along with or really care about, and if I come home for the weekend, I see most of them. So there are a few scattered up north, and I don't see them very often, but, yeah, the main ones I see when I go home to visit Somerset. So... It's no different from just one of those weekends at home, really, except that the roast dinner I get is about three times bigger, and I have to listen to Mum put on that stupid CD full of old Christmas tunes that I've heard since the 1990s, and she's never got rid of. (laughs) Bless her. But... Yeah, I mean, like I say, I'm not trying to ruin everybody else's Christmas cheer here, you know, it's it's a good time of year, everybody's happy, everybody's jolly, it's just not my favourite season of the year. I just like having a break off work, having some good food, and maybe it's an excuse to play some games over the Christmas holidays. And to be fair, in terms of games, there's not actually a lot of Christmas themed ones, are there? I'm just having a look at my shelf, hmm, let's have a look here. No, no... I'm trying to think of anything that is even remotely Christmas-themed in a board game. There really isn't much, many of them I can think of. Or one, even. Uh, snow Tales. Well, that's not Christmas, that's just riding around on snow, so that's, that's kind of a cheat. No, really can't think of one. I'd be interested to know if there actually are any Christmas-themed games, I suppose. Gift Trap, maybe. Although that's kind of birthdays and all sorts, not just Christmas. You know, it's about giving gifts. So that doesn't, and to be fair, that's not what Christmas is all about, so I suppose that doesn't really count either. 
yeah, come to think of it, there isn't really any, but I'd certainly like to know if there is. So what am I going to talk about with this show? Well, I'll mention one or two games that I've played briefly, but I wanted mainly to talk about 2017 as a whole and how I'm going to report on 2017 with regards to the YouTube channel, very brief kind of what I'm hoping for in 2018, and I also wanted to mention a new segment that I want to kickstart in this episode, which won't be a long segment, it shouldn't be anyway, but hopefully will bring something useful to those of you who are maybe looking back at some older games. So, first up, let's just talk about a couple of games I've been playing lately that I've recently reviewed or are hoping to review soon. Uh, Keeper, I think, is a good one to start with. I can just see that on my table right now. Keeper is a sequel game to Keyflower, Keyfedral, or whatever other key games you can think of from Richard Brees. Usually distributed by R&D Games or Hutch and Friends, you know. And they all follow this typical gimmick where everything's spelt with a K or something, and it begins with the word key, so a key pull is a key pull, you know, is a meeple, sorry, and a keeper is a big meeple or something, and it's just like, seriously, I know you want to have this gimmick in your game, but it's just annoying, and it makes teaching the game really hard, and that's the main problem with this game. Keeper itself is actually a enjoyable Euro, where you have different specialist meeples and you're putting them out like worker placement style in order to get resources and animals and all sorts as you build up a village in front of you. You put them out on these country boards but the second they leave your possession they're no longer yours until you put out your big keeper meeple onto the board in order to claim it because once the round is over you take that board all the meeples off it and then you put the board in whatever weird formation you like and place it back out again. I say weird formation because the board is one of these weird multi-fold-up boards, which kind of remind me of those weird little paper gimmicks that you used to see kids go around at school, and they were wizards, and they could command you to do anything with these weird little kind of like paper, almost like paper toy things that they had in their hand. They would flick it open and shut and, and fold it in so many ways, and it was like, pick a number, three, one, two, three. Okay, pick a color, blue, B-L-U-E. You know, it was stuff like that. The board is basically like one of those, and you put it in whatever combination you like with minor restrictions. It's really cool to see it, and it blows people's minds. But the cool thing is, is that now the meeples you've got are different from the ones you had in the last round. So you're claiming the board not just for being able to, you know, be able to do more actions in the round, but you also think, well, maybe I want those blue meeples or those green ones or the yellow ones, depending on which actions you're hoping to get more benefit of. Because if you can match the color meeple to the color space, then you end up getting more for your buck. It's a neat little system, and the game itself is not that complicated. But the rulebook makes a pig's ear of trying to explain the thing so that it feels complicated. This is one of the worst rulebooks I have come across in a long time. Certainly it is my worst rulebook of 2017. And considering I have played, oh, I'm still playing, First Martians, and yes there will be a review of that in the future, that's saying something. You know, First Martians rulebook is not particularly great, but this one is just abysmal. I mean, you can get through the setup pretty well. It's got a good picture diagram and it's all numbered and the setup is handled quite nicely. From that point on though, oh my god. 
things are ambiguous, things are laid out in a weird fashion, you've got charts in the reference section, which you don't have to learn, thankfully, but it's like, who on earth is going to use this as a reference guide? The flow diagrams on the outside of the box to try and teach you stuff are just messy. Oh, it's a horrible text-ridden, cluttered rulebook. It just blows. And it can put a lot of people off. I mean, the first game we played of this, we got so many rules wrong. We enjoyed ourselves, and I bet we'll enjoy it more now that we know what rules we got wrong. But oh my god, it sucks. Sucks, Royal. Ay, ay, ay. It's just a nightmare to learn it from that. Now, as much as I hate to plug, you know, I know Paul Grogan, I think, is doing a Keeper uh, video for this, a uh, video rules video. So when he does, by all means, watch it, because I'm sure anything is better than this rulebook. You know, I know Rodney Smith doesn't do one. There's a few people on YouTube that have done it. So basically, I just say that if you know someone who's doing a video, go watch it. You know, if you can find the files on Board Game Geek, some people have done reference aids, print them out. You need them. This game is just horrible to try and learn without some extra help. But if you can get past that first hurdle, it's a solid Euro game and I'm really enjoying it. It's going to get a review as well and you can bet I am going to rant about that rulebook on the video as well. So if you want to hear me rant, just wait for that one. But Keeper, decent Euro, some interesting mechanics, gives you some elements out of Keyflower that I liked. You know, if you've played Keyflower, I think you'll like Keeper. There's no auction, but, you know, that whole chopping changing meeples every round is prominent in this one and Keyflower. So, uh... Yeah, if you like the style of game, I'd give it a shot. Just uh, be wary you are going to have to tackle that first hurdle. Next up we have Charterstone. Now relax, I'm not going to go into mass spoilers here. But I will, I will put the description of the timestamp of when I'm not talking about Charterstone. So if you don't want to know about Charterstone right now, then by all means, skip ahead to that segment. But I urge you to carry on and listen because I am only going to talk about what you get at the very start. You know, so you would know this from literally watching Rodney's Watch It Played video. You will understand the first game that you play of this. So the spoilers are pretty light. But yeah, if you don't want to hear anything on Charterstone, then by all means, skip ahead. You'll know where to go. For those of you still listening, though, Charterstone is this hyped-up Euro game. I mean, everything that Stonemaier Games makes is hyped up to the max. And this one was hyped up as well because, at the moment, Legacy is all the rage. Apparently, if you stamp Legacy on something, it automatically demands hype. Yeah, see fail much? But, you know, and even Gloomhaven, you know, that's supposedly semi-legacy, and I put that on my overrated games list. Seriously, you do not have to put the word legacy on a game to make it good. Uh, And I digress. But Charterstone is a Euro village building game with a legacy aspect to it. You start off with a blank board with no locations on it whatsoever, apart from some pre-printed ones. And then each person chooses a charter, or a faction, to put it more another word, and you open up all these boxes and and your and index full of cards from the from the main big white box and it is quite a biggish box you get all the pieces out the rule book pretty much tells you exactly what you need to do for the first game and then as you go through you'll you'll unlock crates it almost feels like a bit like a video game where you get loot boxes the whole premise is that you're basically building up a new village for this random king in another kingdom and you've got some helpers, he sent you some stuff. 
And you basically got to build up this village over the course of the whole like 12 game campaign, I believe. And I've played several games of it and I'm not going to spoil what there is. I will do a mid-run review probably when I've got, say, you know, seven, eight games on under my belt, you know, because I think by that point, you know, I don't want to review the game after like the 12 games are up. I want to give people enough knowledge that they don't have to be forced to sit through at least six games out of 12 before things get good. So I'll give a mid-campaign mid review eventually once I get around to that point. But so far, basically, you will, you it's traditional worker placement. You've got a couple of meeples, you'll put them out. As soon as they're out, you have to spend a turn to get them back. So it's a bit like Manhattan Project in that respect. The spaces are pretty basic, you know, go somewhere, get a resource, go somewhere, trade it in for victory points. But as you unlock these crates, you open up more index cards, you open up more little boxes... And it essentially gives you more stuff. It's like more people to help you, more extra rules, more stuff to change up the game, more locations that you can go on in future games. So the village evolves as you play from game to game. Now, to start with, it is pretty generic. I mean, very generic. The first game might actually put a few people off because it is so basic, but you'll get it out of the way fairly quickly and then you'll move on and start unlocking stuff and eventually the game starts coming into its own. And it does improve from that point on. Whether it reaches a peak, I'll find out in the future, but so far so good. Um, aside from that, it looks really gorgeous. You know, there's nice colourful artwork. The stark appearance of the white box and all the white and the white crates inside is already good and there's a fair amount of content here to unlock and some stuff that I haven't unlocked already. I also like the fact that it's got a solo mode, which I'm currently running through at the moment, which basically is the famous Automana system, or however you pronounce it. And it just has the robotic players basically flicking through a deck of cards. Their decisions are made by that deck. They steadily get victory points, and you're just trying to keep up. That's essentially what the, the Automana is, but it allows you to play Charterstone by yourself without having to have another group of players, which is never necessarily a bad thing when it's difficult to find a winning group that can commit the time to something like this. On top of that, once you're finished playing the game all the way through, you can simply flip the board over, buy a recharge pack, which gives you all the components that you would have otherwise torn stickers off or torn up, and then you just go again. And will I want to do that? Well, we'll see when I get round to the review. But it's nice that it gives you effectively two options out of every game. So, yeah, good value for money, even though you do technically have to buy the uh, recharge pack on top. Is it going to be as good as the Pandemic Legacies? Is it going to be as bad as the Sea Fail? Well, you'll have to wait for my actual review. But, yeah, for now, it's doing the business. It's keeping me intrigued. We'll see how it goes in the future. Okay, now to introduce a brand new segment to the podcast. Basically, I wanted to get something that I could do regularly, but I thought would be quite useful. Now, I love doing top 10s and that, but I want to do more top 10s on my YouTube channel. Mainly because I like the show and tell aspect. I can show pictures, if I've got the game, I can open it up and show you pieces and be all flamboyant all over the camera, shaking my hands like I'm doing right now in front of this microphone, you just can't see it. But, you know, I want to do more top 10s on that channel because I need to build that up. And a lot of people like to view top 10s. So, 
there's not going to be very many on the podcast, if any at all, at this rate. Maybe I'll do the occasional top three, top five for weird little gimmicky topics. I don't know, but yeah, mainly maybe not so much on the podcast, but I need something to replace it. So what I came up with was a segment that maybe the name will change, but for now I want to call it Broken Memories. And yeah, everything's got to have broken in front of it. Everybody else can have a gimmick, why can't I? But what this is about is thinking about the games that I've had for a long time, or had for a long time. Because everybody's usually cult of the new, you know, the new hotness, ooh, it's a new RPG game, even though it's the same as most other RPG games, you know, and things like that. But when I look at my collection, yes, I have a lot of new stuff. I mean, I get a lot of stuff for review, so that's going to happen. That's just kind of the way it is. But there's a few games on here I've had for quite some time, and I've stuck by them. And I want to basically talk about them. So the idea with this is that I am going to reflect on a board game that I have had for years. At minimum, I must have had it for at least a year, if not two, ideally. I want to make this like... What are the games I first got into when I started blogging about board games? Did they hold up over time? Do I still love them to this day? Or did I sell them on and eventually get bored with them? And if so, why? How many games I'll cover, I'll vary it. One, maybe two. We'll see how well it goes. We'll see how much you guys like it. Give me some feedback. But today, I want to talk specifically about Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Mainly because I just got the Kickstarter for Tragic Events in the post today, which was missing a fire deck. Oh joy. Now I've got to wait weeks for that to arrive again, so that was a bit of a bummer. Oh well, at least I got some extra review copies in the post literally 30 minutes later from a different postman to cheer me up after that. But yeah, that was a bit sad really. But Flashpoint Fire Rescue. If you've been paying attention to my Top 75 and Top 100, you have seen this game appear in the Top 10 each year. It's dropping, but to be fair, to say something's dropping in the top 10 is not saying much. This is a game I still love to this day. So yeah, spoiler alert, you kind of knew that was coming as soon as I mentioned the game, really. But Flashpoint Fire Rescue was the first game I ever reviewed on the blog. Check out the intro to the blog, like 2013. I've used the same website. All the old articles are still there. Flashpoint Fire Rescue, the first ever written review I did and I don't even know if it was the first game I owned I think I owned about say 10 or so games when I first started blogging and then I started buying more I was building up the collection checking out new games buying and buying and buying cool blimey my uh, checkbook didn't like me at that stage of my uh, life I can tell you that but Flashpoint was one of my first and I really loved it and I still do it's a co-op firefighting game, which uses some of the uh, mechanics that you might have seen in Pandemic with action point systems and co-op play, but you essentially work together to put out a fire in a house while rescuing at least seven victims from the fire blaze. You are trying to keep the house in one piece, because if it collapses on you, you lose automatically. But you need to keep the fire at bay and under control while you search for the, uh, the victims in order to get them out safely. There's a couple of maps, there are variations of a different house, you can up the difficulty, you can chop and change it to your heart's content, you can even play a basic family mode where you take out the rolls, you take out the hazardous materials and some of the uh, more fiddly stuff, and you literally just play a basic co-op game. And it works great for younger kids and people who are brand new to gaming. All you have to do is play one of those games and then you can throw in all the extra bits. Well, if I was literally just playing that base game... 
I probably wouldn't like it as much as I do now. The main reason it's been staying so fresh for me is because of all the content and support it's been getting. There have been a lot of map packs for this. Second Story, Urban Structures, Extreme Danger, Dangerous Waters, now this Tragic Events thing. I think there's more to come even. I might have even missed one. I'm trying to think. I think I've got them all. Yeah, I've definitely got all the expansions. Put it that way. I just don't know if I can remember all their names. And to top it all off, can you hear this? That is basically me knocking on a wooden broken token crate that they did for Flashpoint. It holds everything I have to do with Flashpoint Fire Rescue, and unlike most of my giant vaults, it's small enough for me to take to a game night. Whereas, if I look behind me at, say, like the Legendary Vault, yeah, that's not going anywhere with me other than my gaming table in the same room it's in. (laughs) That is kind of the way when you store too much. But with Flashpoint, it's just a nice, simple co-op game that I can teach to anybody. And a lot of people complain about Alpha Gamer when it comes to co-op play, and I'm totally fine with you having a problem with that. I hate it as well. But with Flashpoint, I never have to teach it feeling like I'm Alpha Gaming. Because pretty much everything you do in it is a good idea, with some element of risk. So I can give people about six choices of what to do on their turn. Put out the fire. Go find this victim. Use your special ability and scan the location. Take that hazardous, ma- um, hazardous material and drag it out of there. Put that fire out. That smoke out. Drive the vehicle round. Go load up the uh, fire engine and pull out some fire that way. There's a lot of good moves that they can do, and they're allowed to choose. I don't have to choose it for them. They can enjoy doing it themselves. Always great when you're teaching any game, especially to new players. But if I want something a bit more complex, the Extreme Danger expansion, fantastic big box expansion. Gives you ladders, gives you a, a lab, gives you a mechanic garage, it gives you a basement and attic board so you can have three-story buildings, you know, three floors or two floors in a basement. It's a brilliant expansion. And it, it does add more complexities, but not to the point where you can't, you know, where it becomes unwieldy, but it just adds a lot of flavor and a lot of theme to what is already a pretty cool formatic game. And then after that, you've got submarines, you've got ships, you've got airports, you've got subway stations, you've got skyscrapers, you've got apartment buildings. There's all sorts of different boards that you've got for this now. So you can pretty much cherry pick what you want to do out of this game. So much variety. And if you know me, you know I am a sucker for variety. You give me a ton of variety in a game or a series, I'm going to at least give you a mark for it. And with Flashpoint, I've got a lot of that variety. Choose a board, guys. I will play any of them. I don't mind. Even the basic house. I just enjoy the the co-op nature. The theme is a good one. It's not represented very often. I mean, we had Hot Shots earlier this year, which was an okay game. But I'd like to see more stuff like this. You know, the emergency services type games. And it works with everybody. Gamers, non-gamers, children, families. It's one of my go-to gateway games that I like to pull out to teach people about the hobby. Providing that I know that they're going to like co-op play. That's the only thing. Great game. Still on my top 10. Do I think it's going to stay there? I don't know. It's dropped a bit because I haven't played it in a little while. Mainly because of trying to get the new hotness out. (laughs) No pun intended. But yeah, I mean it's still going to stay high. I still really enjoy playing it when I get the chance to play it. So it's whether it will stay in the top 10 I don't know. But it's definitely going to stay in the top like quarter of the list for a good while maybe the top half at worst it's just a very enjoyable gateway game and i've had it since i started i don't even think it was brand new at the time i think it came out uh, 
probably a few years, couple of years before before I started blogging. Still love it then. Still love it to this day. Flashpoint Fire Rescue. If you get a chance to grab a copy, I recommend you do because sometimes the older co-ops, I say older, it's not that old, but from my perspective, of course, sometimes the older ones are still some of the best. Alright, let's get on to the main event, and that is 2017 and future predictions for 2018. We're coming up to the end of another year of board gaming, and as such, we're just getting tons and tons of released, as always. Seriously, what is it with board game companies and releasing thousands and thousands of games every year? I mean, fine, I like the fact that the hobby is growing and having a diverse nature to it, but god blimey, it's hard enough for us reviewers to play this many games. Even the Dice Tower cannot play all the games that come out in a year. There's a lot that they have to miss out. There's just so much out there. Maybe a bit too much. Maybe we could just, like, slow down a bit, you know, not release so many games right now and just try and consolidate what we've got but like I say the hobby is growing people are becoming more involved and more aware board game cafes are starting to shoot up my friends at Dice Portsmouth are still trying to do theirs you know bless them you know landlords and commercial property don't get involved it's a horrible business but you know hopefully fingers crossed they're going to make it and when they do I'm going to be there to support them all the way with my Portsmouth on board club but you know Southampton on board you know we still operate at board in the city and that's still going strong you've still got thirsty meatballs and drafts and uh, coffee and dice is it coffee and donuts dice and donuts and even uh, Ludo- Ludoquist? Ludoquist, is that how you pronounce it but basically another one up in the Croydon area where my um where my friend actually from the game shelf um, Amy Dickinson works there at the moment actually so go say hi to her but Yeah, there's a lot of these things popping up and certainly 2017 has seen the hobby grow very nicely. In terms of the whole corporate thing, well, you know, we're seeing Asmodee grow even more. You know, it's getting ridiculously big, you know, having everybody under its belt. Other places are still also doing so, but I don't think it's going to break the hobby, really. I mean, some people are worried that it's going to be one giant monopoly. It's not going to be a giant monopoly. There's still going to be the big players like Z-Man and Fantasy Flight and you know uh, Cosmos and stuff like that out there. And they're doing fine. They don't all have to be under Asmodee. And just because Asmodee has a lot of these companies, it hasn't necessarily made the games any worse. So, you know, it's just business. That's what's happening. There'll be other, there's other small independent publishers coming into their own. I mean, Renegade Games has made a particularly good name for them this year. Um, Ex Libri, you remember I reviewed that one. That was a really good game I love from them. That's one of my contenders for the top 10 of this year. And actually, let's get on to that. Games in general. A lot of people are calling this a brilliant year for board games. I just don't know what I'm missing, but I'm not getting that same feeling. Now, I've got enough games to make a top 10. Yeah, fine. But if you wanted me to make, say, a top 25, I'd be going into games which I think are okay as opposed to great. It's all right. I mean, to be fair, yeah, I've not played every single game from 2017. But then then again, neither have you. So, you know, it kind of works that way. But even so, I'm just... There's a lot of games I'm playing where I'm going, this is fun, but it's not blowing my mind. Because the problem I'm seeing is that I fear there's a lot of repetition going on with the way games are designed. You know, innovation doesn't seem to be bursting from a lot of different games. 
And so I see stuff that's repeated too often. I mentioned earlier that I put Gloomhaven on my overrated games list, you know, so spoiler alert, it's not in my top 10. <laughs> I suspect it is on most other people's, fair enough. But with that one, everybody loves that one for its content, its immersive uh, RPG nature, the fact that you level up, that kind of thing. But an RPG-based dungeon crawl where you level up a character, sound familiar much? You know, I get that same feeling when I played Descent and Imperial Assault and uh, Level 7 The Medic Protocol and even Mansions of Madness. It's a dungeon crawl. So... I'm seeing the same stuff repeated, or at least stuff that feels the same as before. There are Euro games coming out that just feel like another Euro game. You know, there's nothing to blow me away for it. Mechanic-wise, it's just, yeah, it's fine. But why should I play this over something else? You know, it's just, it's not, they're not singing to me. I don't know what it is. It's not me just trying to you know, be a downer or anything. I mean, 2016 was all right, but I feared that was getting a little bit mad as well. You know, I remember the great years of, well, I don't remember them because I wasn't blogging at the time, but in terms of the games I've got, owned and have loved, 2011 and 12 would have been, oh, they would have been so good years for me. There's a lot of games I like from 2011 and 12. 2013 had quite a few as well. 2014 less so, 2015 was pretty good, I found 2016 was a bit lacking, and this year has probably been an improvement since 2016, but even so, there have been a fair few duds or a few okay games. Maybe it's just because of how long I've been doing this, I don't know, perhaps when I started off it was a bit like being a kid at a candy store, where you are just seeing nothing but new stuff everywhere and it all looks amazing, and then... When you get used to it all the time, when you've seen the same stuff over and over again, you notice these trends, these tropes, maybe that kind of jades your opinion or jades your you know, your viewpoint over whether something is truly great or not. Not in terms of reviewing a game, but I mean, you know, is the year great? This year has had a lot of games that are super popular and certainly the hobby is growing. That's great in itself. But perhaps that whole thing of I've seen it before is kind of starting to weigh its way. I don't know, but it's not that like I'm getting bored with board games. Oh, God, no. You know, I love board games. But I don't know. I'm just looking for that innovative spark. There are some games that have come out which I do think have that, and they're the ones that I go mad for these days. And certainly I want to see, you know, us embrace technology a bit more. You know, so, I mean, early on, well, I would say earlier than that, the first prediction I want for next year, more apps. More app technology. And I don't just mean board game apps. I mean apps within board games. First Martians, Mansions of Madness. You know, there's a lot of other examples. I think we need more of these app integrations in board games because I think they do elevate them to another level. But, like I say, 2017 was not a bad year. It just wasn't one that kind of sung to me. It certainly had some good experiences. I mean, I got to obviously go to UK Games Expo again. We've welcomed the Dice Tower now to Games Expo, and it's great. I get to help out with them on the stand and everything. I sadly had to miss Essen this year, which was a bit of a shame. I kind of regretted not being able to go, but, you know, couldn't help it. Wasn't able to. Oh, well, I will be going next year. Already got the accommodation sorted, and tickets are easy. So, yeah, all i got to do is sort out a flight, and I'll be ready. But other than that, um, other conventions, I mean, StabCon in Southampton, you know, it's just a gathering of friends, but it's still a good laugh. I didn't get to go to SawCon, maybe I will this time, it's mid-February. I'll see what I'm doing on that one, it's 
It's a gathering of friends as well. I might try to get to that one, actually, because I didn't go last year. It'd be nice to return. Um, I didn't get to go to a few conventions, actually, but I made up for it with local ones. You know, Uncon, one in October. Not the best venue, I'll admit, and even the creator of Uncon said, you know, he didn't think it was his best ability to do the convention. But it's happening again in April, and the venue they've got looks good. You know, I'm 99% certain I can make that convention. I just want to think hard over Christmas and make certain I'm confirmed before I announce it to him properly, because he'll want me to do a panel and stuff like that while I'm there, I suspect. And it was good fun doing it last year with Michael May from Two Can Play That Game, where we did that top 10 mechanics in games. I'd love to do another one with him, actually, because, I mean, we have a good laugh doing these top 10s, and I love doing panels. So, yeah, that was a pretty good experience all round. Midcon, I've kind of gone off, really. I didn't like the way it was held the first time. People, like, you know, pretty much beach ta- beach toweling uh, tables for their own good. People were having stuff nicked. It was a bit too far to travel, you know, all the way up to Derby. The venue was a little cramped. Yeah, it wasn't my favourite one, that. Manicon, um, I went to a year before. I don't know if I'd go to Manicon again. It's, it's not bad. I, I thought it was okay, but I thought it was very you know, heavy Euro dominant, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, I like some heavy Euro games, I've got plenty on my shelf, but for an entire three-day weekend, or however long it was, I want to play some light stuff as well, but it just felt like it was really heavy Euro dominant, but Leicester is not that far to travel, the accommodation is fine, you know, the venue's pretty good, so maybe I'll give it another bout this year. You know, and the main reason I didn't go last year was not because I didn't feel like it, it was mainly because my uh, plans clashed, unfortunately. So that was a bit of a shame. So I suppose for 2018, I'm hoping I'll go to more conventions. So, oh, oh yeah, Aircon. How did I forget Aircon? Went to that in March. Brilliant. I know they're only doing it once a year. Maybe that's a good thing because otherwise I'd be swarmed with conventions. But yeah, brilliant. That is growing like crazy up in Harrogate. You know, it's a mission for me to drive there. But I still think it's worth it, because I get to see a lot of blogging friends when I go up there. A wide variety of games, you know, some exhibitors and that. And Harrogate is a pretty nice location, actually. You know, granted I'm going to make certain that the accommodation I'm at is A, closer, and B, less noisy, because I was in a bit of a noisy area of Harrogate. But, wow, it's a very scenic city up there. All the parks, all the flowers everywhere, you know, the old architecture. It's a nice place. You know, so I look forward to going up there again in March this year. So where where will I be going? Um, there will obviously be various stab cons. Uh, there'll be HandyCon. Oh yeah, another one I did in 2017. That's, you know, starting to come into its own. Again, a bit heavy Euro dominant, but, uh, you know, generally some good buzz that goes around there. And the best thing, I suppose, with HandyCon is that it's literally like 90 minutes up the road. So it's a very quick car journey for me to get there and stay there for the whole weekend. So, like I say, it, I enjoy that one as well. So, Handycon in January, uh, Sawcon probably in Feb, Aircon in March, Uncon probably in April, uh, UK Games Expo in, what's it going to be, like the end of May, start of June, Manicon maybe, July, wow, I'm going to have a convention a month at this rate, this is ridiculous. Um, What else happens? Uh, August, do I have any conventions in August? Not that I can think of. Well, I say now, I've never been to the one in Exeter, was it called Baycom? That one's end of August or early September, isn't it? i really got to watch how many conventions I go to. Oh, well, I suppose this is a good thing when you don't have a girlfriend, you've got more free time on your hands. But uh, September, 
what else have I got in September? Nothing then. October, obviously, I'll be going back to Essen. November, I don't believe there's a convention apart from... Nope, there's no convention in November. Not that I can think of anyway. And December, there's no convention. So, yeah, no worries. So there's going to be a lot of conventions next year. And also, what I'm thinking of doing, funny enough, I'll just briefly mention, is Geekazen's Camp. They're doing this uh, camp in Poland where they're going to get gamers together. Tom Vassell's going to be there. They're going to have their tables. Yes, I mean, they're trying to sell them, obviously. But you'll be able to play from a library of games. And you'll be staying at this kind of Polish medieval resort where you'll have a decent accommodation. You'll get to engage in, like, you know, watch sword fights and, you know, do medieval-style cooking and have spa and wellness, swimming pool, walks, you know, all sorts of activities. And it's all-inclusive, flights from the UK included. I am very tempted. I am this close to deciding whether I want to put my deposit down and go next September. I've never been to Poland. I've known plenty of Polish people, though, mainly through work. But they've all been lovely people. So I feel like Poland's a place I should visit. And September would be a good time of year weather-wise. It does seem a little pricey for five days. I'd rather be there for a whole week. But, you know, all the activities are all-inclusive. So I guess if I just do a lot while I'm there, I'll get my money's worth. And like I say, it's been a while since I've actually had a decent holiday because I can't exactly class Devon as a luxurious holiday away as much as that was a, a nice week with some friends gaming. You know, it's my neck of the woods, you know, it's the West Country. But yeah, not exactly a luxurious holiday abroad, is it? And when I did try to go abroad, my girlfriend ruined it for me. So yeah, you know, not exactly the best way to go for 2017 holiday-wise. So yeah. I look forward to seeing a lot of you at conventions. Um, you know, I'll let you know if I'm going. If you want to meet up, by all means, give me a bell. We'll play some games. Just not Power Grid or Concordia or uh, Great Western Trail if that's possible, okay? Right. So, oh, that was a fun list. So even though 2017 might not have been my favourite year ever, you know, it still had a lot of cool games that have come out, enough for me to do a top 10. You know, and certainly I think this year has been quite dominant on the whole heavy euro front actually there's been a lot of big grandiose games this year and maybe not euros but big epic games gloomhaven giant game you know the and everything's everything's kind of like yeah here's a here's this giant game for you they're appeasing to the heavy crowd you know um, what am i looking at my table here you know you've got charter stone which is a you know, it's a big, grandiose legacy game. You know, Gaia Project, a heavy replacement for Terra Mystica. Gloomhaven, a very, you know, involved dungeon crawl game. You know, there's all sorts of stuff coming out. And I think gateway games are getting lost in the ether. There's been a few this year. and Another bit, some of them have made my top ten. But I can't think of many that I would call brilliant gateway games. I feel like we need a few more entry-level games in 2018. You know, just... Simple games that I could teach my mother. If I can teach my mother it, it's a perfect gateway game. You know, if my mother can't understand it, then it's probably a still a decent gateway game because my mum's not very good at understanding games, bless her. But yeah, I would like to see more entry-level games come out. Not to mention it would also keep my Throat Punch Lunch segment, the starting tile, going for as long as possible because eventually you'll run out of gateway games to look at, or at least gateway games that are fun and I would recommend. Certainly the year has been pretty good on the whole expansion and reprint front, you know, and I will be doing a top 10 on that soon. So yeah, there's a lot of expansions and sort of redone games, which certainly hit their mark. And I wonder whether there's more to talk about on a positive note to those than there are actual normal games. You know, I mean, think of that what you will, but certainly um, I thought there was enough to warrant its own list. 
So what am I going to do for reporting on this? Well, there will obviously be a top 10 of 2017 YouTube list. I intend to try and get that recorded and uploaded around the end of the year because there are still some games I need to play more of and I've had them delivered, I just need to get them played and the Christmas holiday is a great time to do it. I can play them with the family and when I get back to Portsmouth, I'm only going home for about three or four days, then I will be able to play lots more then. And I've been playing them this week. I've got tomorrow evening I'm going to be playing some games. I've got Saturday free, Sunday free. I've got a lot of time to fit some games in, whether solo or with other players. And I want to do that first before I report on the top 10 of the year. Because I feel that you miss out too much if you do it too early. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to delay my top 10 of 2017 until literally like the last minute of this year. When I feel I'm ready. So it might be out, say... 30th, 31st, you know, we're talking that pinnacle end of December, I will get my top 10 of 2017 out. There'll be a geek list for it, but I'll also be doing it on YouTube, obviously. On top of that, I'll also, maybe slightly after or around the same time, depends on my time limits, then I will also do a top 10 expansions of 2017, because I think there were so many of them this year, and some of them would go, I think they require their own list. There won't be any other more of 2017 lists, there will be the top 10 of all 2017, and the expansions of 2017. Try and breathe. So, yeah, those are going to come on the YouTube channel, and of course I've got reviews for games such as Gaia Project, Pandemic Rising Tide, Keeper, First Martians, Unlock 2, Charterstone, Alien Artifacts I think is going up uh, later this week actually, um, Scythe the Wind Gambit should have been uploaded by now, and I believe I did Civilization A New Dawn recently, so there's a lot of games. And that's before I get into the stuff that I'll be playing in the new year, like Pulsar 2849 and, um, you know, Game of Thrones Catan and stuff, which, yes, I know they're 2017 games. I can't play everything in time before my top 10 of 2017, but I will make a decent caveat in the video to say, here are some games that I'm thinking of playing or I want to play that can't feature on the list. So, you know, I will be fair and objective in that. So yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff to come, but I think I need to get some rest before work tomorrow because i got one day of work left and it's going to be a doozy. I've got a lot to get done deadline-wise in my job and I better make certain I'm awake for it. So I'll get on to editing this podcast tomorrow, I suspect. But certainly, I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode. I would certainly like to get your feedback on segments here. You know, what did you what do you think of me doing the whole broken memories thing? Uh, you know, are you sad to see top ten lists go? Would you prefer I tried some smaller version of them? Maybe specific topics or weird gimmicks in order to try and bring them back? Do you prefer the one hour a month that sorry the one episode for one hour a month? Or do you prefer, say, two episodes a month, but, say, 30 minutes tops, you know, nice and short, but more regular? I want to hear your feedback, guys, okay? Guys and girls, I want to know what you want, what you want me to do, what is it you enjoy, you know, and I'll get that kind of feedback off you. Same goes for the YouTube channel. Let me know your feedback on that. Written reviews, when I do them for guest places, what do you think on those? Somebody actually did ask me recently, actually, if I could put the audio from YouTube on the podcast in the sense that when I upload the YouTube video I basically keep the audio and nothing else and upload that to SoundCloud where this podcast is hosted so that you could listen to an audio only version 
in the car, say, or while cooking or whatever it is you do. That is a tempting thing I'm thinking of doing. I've only had one or two people ask that. I want more people to request it if I feel I've got the extra time to be able to do that. I mean, to be fair, I'd only have to extract the audio from the track I was editing and then just record, you know, just produce a new audio file from that. But then you've got to upload it and you've got to share it and everything. And obviously, I need to know how many people kind of listen to this podcast and would like that. So that is an idea I am thinking of pursuing. I would like to know your thoughts on that. Please let me know. Also, would you like me to try and, you know, do like playthroughs or setups of games or walkthroughs or anything like that? Because I do have a device that allows me to keep my phone camera steady. So what I was thinking of doing was, say, having the microphone near me on a boom stand and hoping it catches all the audio because I hate lapel mics. They're never good quality for me. And see if I can use my phone as the camera in order to do setups, maybe, you know, set up in two turns of a game, kind of like intro introduction rules to something. Or maybe you just want to see me do a bit of a kind of rado without the motion sickness type thing and talk about games a bit more close up. I'd like to know your thoughts. I've got the device. I haven't had a chance to really go to town with it yet just because I've been so busy. But I'd be interested to know if that would take your fancy. And obviously next year I'm going to be doing more top 10 lists. I'm going to try and keep them coming out regularly because it seems that a lot of people want them. If I look on the views for my YouTube channel, I can see several hundred listening to a particular review video. Um, The overrated and underrated games list have already broken a thousand rules. In fact, the overrated games list at this rate will hit 2,000 if I'm not careful. People have a go at me for putting the hate on certain games and Sacred Cows, but when... 200 people watch a review on YouTube and 2,000 people watch you rant about 10 games? I think the kind of hobby speaks for itself when you realise that people just like top 10s or like to hear the opposite side of the coin. So, I don't know, proof much? Do I feel vindicated? I don't know. Anyway, I better stop rambling on and get on with this editing and sleep and work and everything else. So, for me, at The Broken Meeple, have... Regardless of what my opinion of Christmas is, I hope you have a very happy and Merry Christmas with the family, with your friends, with whoever you are, you know, whatever you're doing for Christmas. I hope it's a good one and I hope that roast meal is something to die for. I look so forward to Christmas dinner. So much meat, so much veg, so much pudding. Oh, great. I'm going to have to work overtime at the gym, aren't I? Yeah, like I said, have a great one. Have a Merry Christmas. I will see you in the new year. You'll see me on YouTube for reviews and that. But in terms of this podcast, I'll see you in 2018. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can check out more material from The Broken Meeple at my website at www.brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk. You can also find me on Facebook or see my Twitter handle at The Broken Meeple. If you live anywhere near Portsmouth, feel free to come along to one of our fortnightly Wednesday board gaming clubs, Portsmouth On Board. Search for us on meetup.com or Facebook for more information. Occasional support for The Broken Meeple comes in the form of review copies of games from distributors such as Estevium Games and from retailers such as Chaos Cards, where you can find great games at great prices at chaoscards.co.uk. Thanks again, and from me and everyone else at the Dice Tower Network, have fun gaming. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network. If you like this show, you might like Blue Peg, Pink Peg, or The Snakes Cast. Find out more 
at Dicetowernetwork.com.